Praise the Lord. Got a special message. I, I mentioned it just a week or two ago on a Wednesday night that I had it, and I feel like the Lord's released me to, to preach a message today entitled A Day at the Potter's House. A Day at the Potter's House. And I have been much in prayer, and there are some people today that need to know about the way the Lord feels about you. There are some people here that need one of the last points that we're going to build in on how the Lord seals our breaks, our cracks in life. But uh, we need to understand who we are and who He is. The Bible says in Second Timothy that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, rebuke, Correction and righteousness. That means from Genesis 1 verses 1 through the last verse in the book of the revelation of Jesus Christ, all scripture is profitable to be preached, to be taught, to looked at, to be corrected. And then we understand through Simon Peter's writing that he said that we need to understand that none of the prophecy, none of the scripture we see ever came about by the thought or will of man but that holy men wrote as they were carried along or moved on by the Spirit. Literally, it means God breathed. That The same uh, illustration there is that just as man scooped up, or God rather scooped up man from the dust of the ground and breathed his breath into man and he became a living soul, that God anointed and breathed upon the word that he was leading man to write. And that word became rhema, living word today. And so all of the scripture is profitable. But then there are times that the scripture makes it plain that the Lord is teaching us a lesson. There are times when the word of God tells us what the kingdom of heaven is like. There are times when God especially calls attention to what he is saying because there's no if and buts about it. Some of the word of God we can study through types and shadows and revelations. Uh, but others are so plainly spoken that we know when we go into this passage of Scripture that God is teaching us something that He wants us to know. And such is the Scripture concerning the potter in Jeremiah chapter 18, verses 1 through 12. As we turn to Jeremiah 18, verses 1 through 12, I want to remind you of what Isaiah understood. Isaiah, who was a prophet, Isaiah, which understood the things of God, Isaiah, which was chosen by God at a very integral part of the history of God's people and was chosen by God to give revelation to concerning the Messiah in particular and some of the end time prophecy. But Isaiah says in Isaiah 64 and 8, But now, O Lord, Thou art our Father. We are the clay and Thou art our potter. And we all are the work of thy hand. O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay and you are our potter. And we all are the work of your hand. When I was growing up, we used to sing a song, Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Remember that? Thou art the potter, I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will. What a powerful, powerful understanding of what Isaiah said. But look at what one of the contemporaries of Isaiah wrote. So God is trying to tell his people this. 
And Jeremiah chapter 18, beginning in verse 1, the word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise, go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. Now notice what the Lord is saying. Jeremiah, get up. Go down to the potter's house, because I want to teach you a lesson. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels, and the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he who made it again another vessel, so he made again rather another vessel, as seemed good to the potter to make it. Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter, says the Lord? Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. At what instant I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to pluck it and to pull down and to destroy it. If that nation against whom I have pronounced turn from them to evil, I will repent of the evil that I thought to do unto them. At what instant shall I speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom build and to plant it? If it do evil in my sight that it obey not my voice, then I will repent of the good wherewith I said I would benefit them. Now therefore go to speak to the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem saying, thus says the Lord, behold, I frame evil against you and devise a device against you. Return you now everyone from his evil way and make your ways and your doings good. And they said, there is no hope, but we will walk after our own devices and we will everyone do the imagination of his evil heart. May the Lord touch the reading of his word. Now God is speaking this directly to the nation of Israel through Jeremiah, but we know through the word of God, what God speaks to a nation, he also speaks to individuals. I want to share with you about the potter. The art of pottery has been practiced since ancient times. The Egyptian monuments give, it ev- give evidence that it was known in Egypt even before the entrance of the Hebrew children under the, the, uh, the children of Isaac, Jacob, Jacob who became Israel, when they entered into the Egyptian territory under Joseph's rule when God had blessed him during the years of the drought, we know that Egypt practiced pottery even before then. Pottery is the number one most popular find of archaeologists who study the ancient world. Now, not only, and some of you understand that, not only have they found remains of pottery, they have located now in the remains of ancient cities what they understand and are proven to be potter's shops. They located one in the ancient ruins of Lachish that date back to 1200 B.C. They have located one in one of the cities that we visited recently, Megiddo, right close to where the Battle of Armageddon will take place. Gezer and Hazer, cities that are mentioned in the Bible. They located pottery houses. They located vessels that were used to build pottery. They've located nearby clayed fields from which the potter began his process. They've located wheels that the potters used to to, uh, spin, to uh, make their pottery. They've located ancient kilns that they used to bake the pottery so that they would be usable in service. They've also located the dumps that were used by these potters 
to throw away unusable pottery. Now there are several things that speak to us and we need to understand that the Lord says through his prophets, Lord, we are clay and you are the potter and we are the work of your hand. So when we look at this ancient practice of pottery, let's look at how the Lord feels about us. Number one is this. As we look to the potter's house today, I want you to think about this. The potter's day begins early. Jeremiah rose first thing in the morning to go look. He left the house, the first light. The potter has the bags in his hands and he heads to the fields, to the hills, to gather clay to begin the process. This speaks of the fact that God puts his thoughts on you before he ever begins. Amen. The art is designed in the head and the heart before it's ever put into practice in the hands. A potter just didn't go to the field and scoop up something and begin to blindly form something. There was a process in which he made up his mind and he had a, he had a vision of what he wanted to build before he ever put his hands on the wheel. Like Jeremiah, he thought of you before you came forth from the womb. He knew you before you were born. Like Joseph, God thought of him. And even though it was a hardship on Joseph, the pit, the separation, the accusations, and the prison place, God had put his thoughts on Joseph and saved all of Israel. Like Moses, who God used to deliver Israel from Egypt. Like he thought of Samuel when the lamp of God was about to go out in the temple. God was already thinking of a young boy that he would raise up to be the prophet of God unto Israel. When King Saul walked away from God to do his own thing, God already had David in his mind, a man after God's own heart. As far back as Isaiah, we could hear the thoughts of God that he was having about John the Baptist hundreds of years before John was ever born. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3, prophesied of the one that would cry in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. And concerning you and I today, God says in Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a hope, a destiny, a future, and an expected end. Isn't it great to know that God's mind is on you? Isn't it great to know that you just didn't happen you just weren't born someday. You just didn't come about as an act of union between a man and a woman. You came about because God already thought of you. The second thing that the potter would do is he would put his eyes on what he was going to use. The Lord put his eyes on you. The Bible says that he began to look at you without seeing you for what you were or what you are but he sees you for what he knows you can be. Amen. Now I would drive by a clay field and I would just see clay. Amen. I don't have the gift of the potter, but the potter, when he looks at something, he sees what he's going to make out of it. Amen. Psalm 17 and 8 says, keep me as the apple of the eye. Hide me under the shadow of your wings. Psalm 33 and 18, Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, upon them that hope in his mercy. 
The Bible lets us know that he sees every hair that falls from our head. He sees the sparrow that falls through the ground. The songwriter once said, his eye is on the sparrow, therefore I know that he watches me. Job in all of his trials wrote these words, when I can't find him, he still knows where I am, for he watches me. He knows the way that I take, and when he has tried me, I will come forth as pure gold. The translation is every one of us here at Blackville today, when he looked on us and thought of us, though he could not use us in the shape we were in, we were lumpy, rocky, stiff-necked. We had hard spots on us. We didn't have consistency. But he took us down, and then he did this. The potter then puts his feet on you. There's a crushing process in ancient pottery. Before something can ever be used, it must be trodden underfoot. Clay in its natural state was seldom fit for use. Several stages of preparation were usually necessary. The clay must be softened before it could ever be fashioned by the potter. The clay was mixed with water and sifted to remove any stones or foreign objects that didn't need to be there. There were several settling basins where the sifting took place, and each basin had smaller holes than the one before. This was the process of refining the clay in order to make the very best vessel. Water had to be used to help sift out the lumps and the rocks. The Bible tells us that sanctification is a process whereby the washing of the water and the word separates our sins and our filthy habits from us. Amen. Have you ever noticed that's the way God does? And it's not a comfortable process. God keeps pushing us and we wonder why. And it's because he's getting rid of the lumps of sin in our past and our life. He's getting rid of what we were and he's washing us by the river that flows from the throne of God. He's washing us by the water of life. He's washing us by the blood of Jesus Christ and in doing so, he's separating our sins from us as far as the east is from the west. But it's a crushing process. It's a trampling process. It's an uncomfortable process. But it's necessary to ever get used by the potter on his wheel. Once refined, the potter would place the clay on a clean floor and begin walking on it back and forth over and over until all the pockets of air was removed. And we wonder sometimes when we go through trials. Amen. Can I tell you that the word of God lets us know the greatest use for olives in biblical times was olive oil. But you can go in Israel right now and you see the oil presses. And those olives were crushed before the oil ever came forward. Sometimes we don't like to go through these things under the hand of God. We don't like to go through our trials and tribulations. We don't like to go through our sicknesses and our heartaches and our situations. But the whole time God may be crushing us but he's getting us ready to make something beautiful out of us. Hallelujah. Look throughout Christendom. Look throughout the history of the word of God. And you find that many that God used and made something beautiful out of first had to go through the process of being crushed by God. Amen. 
God does that sometimes, but not because he's angry, not because he is disregarding us, not because he doesn't love us, but quite the opposite. He's doing so because he's refining us, getting us ready to make the finished product. Once the right consistency is obtained, God will pick you up off the floor and he'll place you on the potter's wheel and then he'll do the fourth step. He'll put his hands on you. Oh my. The feet are used to crush, but the hands are used to mold. I'm feeling the Holy Ghost because I know where we're going. While you're on the wheel, he begins molding you. Now this involves applying pressure in certain places that he needs to change. You may not like these pressures, but understand, he's the one making the vessel and he knows where to apply the pressure. Now I want you to understand that. While he's making the vessel, he never intends on breaking the vessel. The pressure is not to break you, but the pressure is to make you. Amen. Because he sees something beautiful. And can I tell you, it doesn't matter what the world sees. It's what the Lord sees. Pottery is difficult. When I was in high school, I took art as an elective. And I thoroughly enjoyed the class. And one of the teachers in Coffee County is a master potter. He just knows what he's doing. Makes beautiful things. I mean, absolutely gorgeous things. And none of us really in our first semester of taking potter or taking art and, and pottery is just one of the a week or two that we concentrate on that because I had all this other stuff to do. None of us from nothing could take something and actually use the potter wheel and make it. But they did allow us to make something with our hands. And we had to mold it and make it whatever we could and, and there's no smoking at mom and daddy's house but I made an ashtray just in case. What else is I going to make? I couldn't make a bowl or anything like that. And to this day, I can show you right now in my mother's living room where that ashtray is. And can I tell you, it was not... Now, now the colors I used were beautiful. And the kiln baked them all in, and it's nice. But can I tell you, that is a lumpy ashtray. <laughs> it's not something that you would buy at the store. Okay, I mean, I molded it with my hands and, and you know, and, and it's an ashtray and you can tell it's an ashtray, but it looks like a fifth grader instead of a twelfth grader made it. But it's always there. You know why? Because what the world can't see, my mother sees. My mother sees the value. And see, that's where we go wrong Sometimes. He's the potter, we're the clay. And sometimes we want him to make us so that others will recognize the good in us. But he's making us so that he can use us. And so the potter gets the clay and he puts it on the wheel. And he begins to apply pressure because he knows what he wants to make. The Bible says that he will form you into the vessel that he desires to make of you if you let him. Romans 9 and 20 says, Nay, but old man, who art thou that replies against God? 
Listen to this. Shall the thing formed say unto him that formed it, why have you made me like this? That's what the word of God says in Romans 9.20. The Lord has the right. He is the potter, we're the clay. Once his hands have formed you into what he sees as a beautiful vessel, you are still worthless and without function until he puts you in the fire. Pottery will not last until it's placed in the fire. The Bible says, Jeremiah looked at the potter as an example of what to do and he understood that the potter would hold that vessel in his hand and place it in the fire to be fired. In ancient times, there were two ways of firing a vessel. In the old days, they would sun-dry the vessels. However, sun-dried vessels had limitations. They could only store dry goods because liquids would break them down. Later, they learned to kiln-fire the vessels. A fine vessel that will harden and hold liquids and maintain its shape had to be exposed to a minimum temperature of 982 degrees Fahrenheit. But the beauty of properly fired clay is that it will not break down or disintegrate. Even if it's buried for a thousand years, they still discover these vessels. Metal or wood would have long since disappeared. But once something's been placed in the fire, it can last and be used again and again and again. Fire time was crucial. It had to stay in the fire long enough for the chemical process in the clay to start working. And that's the way you and I are. Sometimes we'd like for our trials to get over with just like that. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Lord, I know you can heal. Why haven't you already healed me? Lord, I know you can mend. Why haven't you already mend me? Lord, I know that you can make this good again. Why haven't you already answered me, God? If you love me and you're on the throne, why have you not answered me? And what we don't understand is that we're in the fire because God wants us to last. He's leaving us in the firing process just long enough that when we're removed, we can contain great valuable things. On and on and on and on and on. Once removed from the fire, the vessel must be scoured and scrubbed to remove any lingering signs of air bubbles that surfaced in the fire. The little nicks and bumps had to be smoothed out. How many of you ever endured the work of the Holy Spirit? Hmm? You see, a lot of us have been through the fire, but every now and then we still got some nicks and bumps. And that's why we have to come to church, and that's why we have to do God's word, and that's why we have to apply it and be doers of the word, not hearers only, because what it's doing is it's scrubbing and scouring those bumps of our flesh out. And after it was thrown in the fire, then it was anointed. Once the smoothing process has been accomplished, you are now ready to be painted and glazed, which represents the anointing. Matter of fact, the words that are used and translated painted and glazed in ancient Hebrew are akin to the word that's translated anointing in our language. A vessel that has not been glazed could only be used once. Once. Because a bacteria and fungi would be able to hide in its pores. 
But when a glazed vegetable is washed with soap and water, you can be used over and over again because the bugs have no place to hide. Do you see the implications of those who have been anointed by the Spirit of God? The things that can seep into us when we're not anointed can't touch us with when the Spirit of God dwells there. The things that can be planted inside of us that can cause us no longer to be worthy or be used of God can't get there when the Spirit of God is applied. That's the painting of the vessel. That's the glazing of the vessel. It's what makes the vessel attractive. When God's Spirit is there, it attracts the Lord. And next, the potter will put his name on you. Every good artist put his name on his work. Amen. Revelation 22 and 4, and they shall see his face and his name shall be in their foreheads. The quality must go in before the name goes on. I said the quality must go in before the name goes on. And then the last thing that I want to discuss with you is that the potter would seal the cracks. In studying ancient pottery, you'll see something. Even the finest vessels, even after they had been sifted, even after they'd been gathered from the field and crushed with the potter's feet and molded with his hands and fired in the kiln and glazed and painted and used, despite all the potter's efforts every now and then, even the finest, most valuable vessels would develop little tiny cracks. And in ancient times, here's what the potter would do. He would take a little tick called a fusakas. In ancient times, it was found on uh, beef, cattle, I should say. It was found on goats and lambs. And he would take that fusakas and he would pierce it and take the fusakas blood and take and mix that blood with the common dirt or clay and put it on the crack and put it in the fire again and it would seal the cracks and be usable. So that's where grace comes in. Because no matter how long you've lived for Jesus, no matter how much you try, every now and then, there can be a crack. Every now and then, the flesh rises up. And see, sometimes the church, sometimes your own thought process, sometimes the devil will attack you and make you feel like it's all for naught. And you're no longer fit for service. But what does God do? He takes that blood and mixes it with that common flesh and puts it in the cracks. He puts it back in the fire and it's all ready to be used again. I can't tell you how many times he's had to put the blood in my cracks. But by the grace of God, 
I'm still here being used because the blood was applied all again. The last thing is this. Did you know the Bible tells us about the potter's field? In the New Testament. Because after Judas betrayed Jesus. He returned those 30 pieces of silver. They couldn't take it back in the treasury. The Bible says they used it to buy a potter's field. Because every now and then. There was a piece of clay that no matter how much he worked with. No matter how much he tried, kept resisting the efforts of the potter's hands. And when he worked with it, and he worked with it, and he molded and he pressed, and he'd done all he could. And he couldn't do any more. He would have to discard that piece of clay in a trash heap and go find out another one. To start all over again. The tragedy of this life sometimes. Is that no matter how much God convicts. Draws. Pours out his grace. Lends us a breath that we breathe. Blesses us with all of these things. Health, family, children, grandchildren. Finances, houses. Whatever it may be. Some of us just simply won't stay on the wheel and we refuse his grace and we refuse his hands and we'll find ourselves discarded when the trumpet sounds if we're not willing to be clay in the potter's hands. Would you stand? Why do you resist me, says the Lord? I long to make something beautiful out of you. But I have pleaded, I have pleaded, I have pleaded. And you resist the work of my hands. Come unto me today, says the Lord, that I may mold you and make you. Because I have plans for you. Yield yourself unto me as clay in the potter's hands. And I will indeed make something great of you, says the Lord. Would you lift your hands at worshiping? And these several processes that are bona fide facts of ancient pottery that we've shared today. Many of us here today are currently in one of the processes or the other.
Some of us here today may be in the firing process. And we wonder why the Lord has left us here so long. We need to be reminded that's because He has great plans for us. Some of us here today maybe thought because of our failures that we were no longer usable in the kingdom. And all we need is some fresh blood applied and the breakdowns of our life so God can use us again. And of the fear of God, tragically, I feel like some of us keep resisting the hand of the potter. And if we're not careful, he's going to discard us because we refuse to let him mold us and make us. Whatever the process going on with you today, you will better know that than I. But I plead of you, submit yourself to the hand of the potter. Remind you what Romans tells us. Romans 9 and 20. How dare the pottery look at the potter and say, why have you made me like this? It's God's decision. But he sees something beautiful. Let him make it in you today. Whatever step that you're in in your life right now, I believe prayer can help it. Would you come and join me at the altar today? Let's ask God to keep us on the wheel as long as He needs to. Let's ask God to fire us up as long as He needs to. Let's ask God to apply the blood where there may be cracked places in our lives. Whatever it takes, Lord, do what you need to. But don't discard me. Thou art the potter. I am the clay. Would you come?
put me back on the wheel if necessary Lord mold me and make me Lord the way you see fit you see something nobody else sees Lord God help me not to live my life for what others see but live my life for what you see Lord oh God Lord help me as Paul said to be content with the things I have Lord to be content with where you've placed me in this world make me a vessel of honor. Lord, your word declares in, in the house there are many vessels, some to honor, some to dishonor. Lord, make me a vessel of honor. Can I tell you, his calling is that we all be made a vessel of honor. The word of God says you ought to know that your body is the temple of the Spirit of God whereby the Holy Spirit dwells. Lord, make me a vessel worthy to be used. God, make me a vessel worthy to be used, Lord. Take away, Lord, all the things that doesn't need to be there, Lord. Oh, God, fire me up by the Spirit of God, Lord. Wash away the impurities. Make me what you have me to be, Jesus. Lord, I give you praise and I give you honor. And I give you glory for who you are. Sing it one more time. Take my stretch your hands here. Sister Mary Helen has a procedure being done tomorrow. She needs our prayer. We just stretch your hands. We pray for her. Lord in the name of Jesus God. We ask that you be with the Lord. Touch her body, Lord. With your stripes, we are healed, Father God. We thank you, Lord, because in everything you go before us. God, go before us right now, Lord Jesus God, and prepare Father Lord Jesus. We thank you in advance for the work you're doing. And we give you the praise, honor, and glory because you're worthy. Jesus' name. If you love Jesus, say amen. Would you bow your head to be dismissed in prayer? Brother Dan, would you dismiss us in prayer? Here's once more I've been asked to pray for the food. And I apologize. Lord, we thank you for the food we're about to receive, Lord. May you bless it and all the hands that prepared it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. I hope to see you tonight.
need to meet with the council for about 30 seconds right here. Thank you. 30 seconds.